And it's not it's not the crew's fault. The the ship's designers. It's not the crew's fault. The, do you mind? Creatures. I'm Rochelle. I'm Kaylee. And we are Paranoia Percentage. This is a very short nugget episode. One singular nugget. Yep. Uh, in the past we've done, back when we used to do audio only, we did a couple nuggets episodes where we would talk about... We had multiple nuggets in, in each episode. We did one where we talked about Keanu Reeves being immortal and aliens living behind the moon. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, fun stuff. And <laughs> uh, what was it? Russian spy sharks? Yes, Russian spy sharks. <laughs> that might have been the other Nuggets episode, but I'm not sure. Yeah. This one, though, now we're going to start to maybe break those up. That may change in the future, but for right now, we're going to give this a shot and see if you guys like it. Mm -hmm. And for this one, we're going to talk about the Titanic, which I know a lot about the history of the Titanic, but I don't know anything about this machination theory that Kaylee is gonna tell me about, so. This singular machination nugget. All right, I've got my trusty tablet that puts really flattering lighting on my face. <laughs> <laughs> so the Titanic was supposed to be an unsinkable ship, and in 1912, in April of 1912, it sank while on its maiden voyage, its very first and only voyage that it ever took. And a lot of people died because the crew were not prepared. It's not the crew's fault. The ship's designers thought that the boat was unsinkable, and so they did not plan to have enough lifeboats on the ship. Thousands, thousands of people died because of that. So. Very, very sad story, something that I've always been really interested in. So I, like I said, I know quite a bit about it. I didn't even know there was a machination theory following this, so well, I'm excited. A, I've got a really good machination theory here. Now, there, there are actually a lot of different machination theories. I'm only covering the one. And this one is the one that proposes that the Titanic sinking was actually a huge insurance scam fraud. Oh. Yes. <clears throat> All right, let me get But people this. died. People did die. I'm not saying that that part was fraud. They were casualties in this, regardless if, if, if this is correct or not. That's so sad. There were a lot of casualties. So we are not making light of that. All right, so uh, most of what I got here came from the research of somebody named Andrew Newton. The Titanic and another ship called the Olympic mm -hmm. were two, uh, they're called superliners, so mm -hmm. really, really big ships for the time, and they were built and owned by the White Star Line mm -hmm. Company, White Star Line. Yep. And the Olympic, the two of them uh, were... Sister ships. Yes, exactly. They were almost they were totally... Ships. They were almost totally identical, yep. and kind of like twins, twin people, uh, that are identical. Uh, sometimes you can kind of tell really small differences between the two, especially if you know them really well. Mm -hmm. So there were very few people that could even tell them apart. In fact, the two ships oftentimes were used interchangeably in advertisements. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, so sometimes if you see photos of the Titanic, sometimes it was actually photos of the Olympic <gasps> and vice versa. Okay. It would just depend on where they were docked at the time, uh, if one was getting repairs or anything like that, if they might photograph the other one because it would be it was just cheaper right. at that point. Because it looked exactly the same anyway. Exactly. Weird. So the Olympic had actually been through three different accidents, and so Ooh. it needed a lot of repairs. Mm -hmm. um, the only repair that I was able to find actual documentation of was the repair on the what's called the keel of the ship, which I describe it as the spine belly button of a ship. It's kind of the line down the bottom of a ship. Where So like if you've got a ship's bottom like this, it's like this, there's a fin. Right. They're sort of a, yeah, it's yeah. like the fin underneath. That's the keel of the ship. And the Olympic had already had some repairs on that, but because of the three different accidents that it had been in over the course of, I think it was two years before I th uh, no, it, its first accident was in 1911, so... Oh, well, the Titanic sank in 1912, right. so... And it had, in that amount of time, it had three. And it had a lot of repairs that it needed. It was really permanently docked. It, it wasn't able to pass inspection to be able wow. to be used commercially at that point. And so the repairs that would have been needed to make it pass inspection would have been substantial monetarily. Mm -hmm. And so the company really didn't put a whole lot of work into permanent repairs. They did um, just some temporary repairs so that they could redock at places, but it's it could be money. exactly mm -hmm. just enough to get it to stay afloat, not really be used commercially, but they did not really put the amount of money that they would have needed to put into it to become permanently repaired. To get it really seaworthy. Right, exactly. Okay. Through Andrew Norton's research, he stated that he found evidence to suggest that the White Star Line was very close to bankruptcy. I did not find that evidence, but he claims that he did. And so he believed that they decided to hatch a plan to purposefully sink the Titanic that was actually the Olympic to receive an insurance settlement. That way they would have the money from the settlement and a perfectly good ship, oh. the real Titanic, that they would then pass inspection with and be able to use commercially. So so you're saying that they switched places with then the Olympic sank and the Titanic did right. not. Right. Interesting. Right. So shortly before the Titanic set out, this is one of, um, there were a couple of different red flags that maybe add a little bit more credence to this. One of which was shortly before the Titanic set out, a number of wealthy passengers gave up their spots. They decided not to go. That is true. And later it was found that many of whom were colleagues or friends of J.P. Morgan, which we know that name. He was the top investor of the company and the company's chairman. They worked with them or they were friends with them. And so maybe they knew something was up and to not be on that ship. Just an hour before setting sail, on the Titanic, many expensive items, including bronze statues, were ordered for removal by Mr. J.P. Morgan. The Titanic officers testified that they could spot an iceberg from at least six to eight miles away if they are placed on the deck, and even further if they're up in the crow's nest. And the Titanic's rounding space, which is the amount of time it takes to, um, the amount of space it takes for that ship that size to turn. Mm -hmm. The Titanic's rounding space was about 1,800 feet. 
And as such, the Titanic, if it was spotted, from the amount of space that they claim that they would have seen an iceberg, it would have had room to avoid the iceberg. But the attempt to even turn it was not made until the iceberg was only about 1,200 feet away. So with that discrepancy of it needing 1,800 feet, they can even see much further than 1,800 feet if an iceberg is approaching. Mm -hmm. There was no attempt made whatsoever to begin turning the boat until it was 1,200 feet away, which then made the part of the boat that hit the iceberg one of the most detrimental spots, so that could have been very calculated. I always thought that they didn't turn the boat in time because the, the top part of the iceberg, the part they could see, was much smaller than what was under the water, and they didn't see that part. There's drawings of the iceberg itself, and that's what it shows is it's like this little peak, and then like you can see under the waterline, it just goes like woof, woof. Yeah, so you, sure. you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to see that under the water. And you could you could be right. This is just what Andrew Newton. Okay. Claims, right. The California was another ship owned by the company. That ship, the Californian, was anchored 19 miles away from the Titanic, which was also 12 miles off course. And so potentially, they could have been anchored there. What would have been six miles away from where the Titanic could have been. They thought the California would be closer to the Titanic than it was. Possibly, yeah. Okay. So th this other ship, the Californian, they were sent distress signals from the Titanic. Mm -hmm. Now I there was that a, part because I'd heard of the California. Well, there was another ship that ended up getting there before the Californian did. Yeah, that one was not owned by the White. Right, right. Star, you know, white Star. Company. Yes, I know. But the Californian, the the captain of the Californian. That was the Carpathian. The Carpathia. That sounds right. The Carpathia, I believe, is the name of that ship. The captain of the Californian went to sleep fully dressed that night, and he gave orders to wake him up if there were any distress signals. He had the engines on standby mode, and there were no passengers on that ship, but the cabins were packed with wool sweaters. Why would they need the cabins packed with wool sweaters if there were no wow, okay. passengers on the ship? They were just parked in standby mode, ready for distress signals that they had no way of knowing were going to come. Yeah, that's a little... Yeah. Okay. And this is this ship is one owned by that same company. Mm -hmm. Alright, and now I have a big long quote, and I'm just going to read it. Alright. The names Olympic and Titanic were engraved on the front of each of the ships when they were being built. Photographs from, from Robert Ballard's original expedition in 1986, when he found the sunken Titanic, show the letters T-I-T-I-C riveted into the front of the ship. The missing letters A-N had fallen off over the years. The space where the letters fell off show the letters M-P engraved into the ship. Did this originally read Olympic? O-L-Y-M-P-I-C. After close investigation of the stern of the sunken Titanic ship, it showed repair to the keel, which if you remember, the Olympic, the Olympic had. had recorded repair to the keel and the Titanic had never gotten into an accident as far as we were aware. Oh, wow. The Olympic, after the Titanic sank, supposedly went through all necessary repairs, even though they weren't going to repair them. It went through all the necessary repairs and continued commercial success until 1935. The Olympic, quote unquote. And the insurance settlement from the Titanic was a million pounds at the time, which very roughly uh, is $159 million in USD today. 
Mic drop. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. That seems highly probable to me. Thank you. I know. <laughs> that, okay, when I first heard it, that was my face. <laughs> <laughs> I... I feel like the I feel like the world has been pulled out from under me. <laughs> so what we know of the Titanic tragedy, the Titanic sinking, very well could have been the Olympic. And the California was anchored very close because maybe they thought that they were going to get to them faster, get the dis- distress signals, be able to go over there, get all the uh, the passengers, get them in the wool sweaters to warm them up. Maybe they thought that they could save everybody. The friends and colleagues somehow knew something was going to go down because they didn't keep their spots. And all these expensive items were taken off the ship. I think the most damning evidence, in my opinion, is the keel being repaired on the Titanic. Even though the Olympic definitely had repairs there, the Titanic was not documented to have those. And the fact that those letters that had peeled off revealed etchings of other letters. That would fit in Olympic. Right. So um, what is your percentage on this theory? I'm sold hook, line, and sinker. (laughs) But it's... No, really, though. I... Yeah, I absolutely believe that. That sounds completely plausible. There's enough mm-hmm. evidence. God, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that just that just blew my mind. Um, yeah, I'm in the '90s. Like that's mm. that's crazy. I'm uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 90 percent. Just to be yeah. fair, I'm gonna say yeah. Wow, wow. If that Andrew guy is being totally truthful, if all of this is true. A hundred percent for me. I'm going to look into it as soon as we're done recording. I know that much. There is a chance, I would would guess, that some of it could be uh, either exaggerated or maybe misreported. I don't think so. I think there's just too much against it. So a hundred percent if it's all true as far as what he says. And um, but to be more realistic, I'm going to give it a 95. Wow. Yeah. So when I was telling her earlier that there was a machination theory about the Titanic that I just straight up believed, um, yeah, I didn't know that I was gonna convince you so hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's not that you convinced me, like the evidence convinced me. That's yeah. pretty hardcore evidence. Like I don't, that, that's pretty irrefutable. I don't even see how you can, I mean, in the comments, you know, if there's, if you've got some way to refute this, please let me know because that definitely, convinced me. I'm all in. That was, that's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. Well, let us know what you guys thought. And if you know of any other nuggety type machination theories that you would like us to cover, little short ones or funny ones or really dumb ones, we're up for that too. Uh, Just anything you can think of, just shoot it our way. Yeah. We hope to hear from you guys. (laughs) Well, I'm Rochelle. I'm Kaylee. And we were Paranoia Percentage. You can find us on Twitter at Paranoia Percent, Tumblr as P-Dubs Podcast, and Facebook and Instagram as Paranoia Percentage.